0: Welcome to Hydra Church Online. It's great to be with you. Great to have an opportunity to talk to you a little bit about this series of messages we're calling Warrior Code. That that as we go through this summer, we are unpacking these various lines and principles of the Warrior Code. What What it takes to live in true peace. What it takes to live with peace within and To create peace around us, that the heart of this is the realization that when we look around our world, we see fear because there is fear within us. We look around our world and we see pain and we see turmoil and we see loss and we see anger and chaos because those are the things within our souls. That if we want to see peace in our marriages, if we want to see peace in our families, if we want to see peace in our neighborhoods and in our cities and in our state and in our world, it begins as we find peace within. It begins as we initiate a battle for peace within. It's a battle that every human being fights. Every one of us is in a battle for peace within our souls We are fighting to find peace within so that we can be a part of the solution that brings peace to the world around us, that brings peace to our homes, and that produces a joy and brings about this dream of God described in the words and in the life and in the actions of Jesus. Now, as we come to this fifth part, this fifth line in the warrior code, it is one of the most difficult, but yet one of the most important concepts within this whole series. Today, I want to talk about how a warrior owns defeat. A warrior owns defeat. Defeat. Now I recognize right from the start that that this feels a little backward, right? It feels like a little counterintuitive. Nobody likes the idea of losing. Nobody likes the idea of failing or being defeated. If you wanted to start a line of clothing or 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 start or design a new t-shirt, you're you're not gonna put the word defeated across the chest. Nobody wants to wear that shirt. Nobody wants a a shirt or a hat that says failure or underachiever. That's not what we want to understand ourselves to be. It's not going to sell. We don't like the idea of failure. In fact, I think that most of us are unprepared to fail. And when it happens, we're caught off guard because to many of us, failure feels like an illusion. It feels like something that might happen to someone else, but it's not a part of our story. It's not a part of our lives. We run into it and it hits us in a way that the few of us are prepared for. And and so we we have a tendency to blame others. And when we we're forced to a place where we can no longer even do that, it brings about a crisis. When When we are hit with failure. We start to wonder whose fault it is. We start to wonder what could have been done. We start to to wonder if we're really who we thought we were, if we really are as good as we thought we were. We, we start to ask questions and deal with these toxic thoughts of, of shame, of never being good enough. We deal with ideas of, of who do we think we are to have tried that, and, and we shrink back. It can be even harder for people of faith when they fail we we struggle to wonder if if god exists then why did he let me go through this why did he let me fail why did this happen am i a failure because if god didn't fail me then i must have failed and if i'm a failure what's going on and i think one of the the huge keys to beginning to navigate life's up and downs, to begin to to fight the battle for peace within, is learning to take ownership and responsibility for your own life. It's the ability to take ownership and responsibility for our lives. Now, we this can be hard. It can be hard for Christians because we We like to say odd things, like it, maybe one day we'll 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 publish a book out of hydrant, just the things Christians like to say, and right near the top of that list would be god's got this god's got this if God wants it to happen, it'll happen if God doesn't want it to happen, then I'll fail God's got this, and we kind of do this spiritual cartwheel to abdicate our responsibility to live into the potential that he's put within us, to use the gifts and strength and abilities and opportunities that he gives us. And we just say something like, well, God's got this or God's will be done. Well, maybe God wanted it done and maybe he put the gifts and skills in you and the opportunity in front of you and you failed. I know I have. I may be failing right now. Failure is hard to come to terms with. And so we, we tend to play this game of spiritual hot potato with God. And we toss the responsibility at him and say, hey, you got this. And he says, wait, wait, no, I created this for you. You've got this. And nobody ends up having it. Let's go to Scripture to kind of see where this begins. We're going to go all the way back to the very beginning into how we were created in Genesis chapter 1. If you turn in your Bibles or, or use your, your iPhone or whatever to, to be able to look up Genesis chapter 1, we're going to be at Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. And there we find these words. Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground so god created mankind in his own image in the image of god he created them male and female he created them this mankind it means humankind this 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 identity of who we are together, male and female. Verse 28, God blessed them and he said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. We see right here from the very beginning, God takes this creation, everything that he's made and he gives it to humanity. He gives it to us, and he says, this is yours. Take responsibility for it, subdue it, rule over it, take this wild thing and and bring about civilization, bring about communities, bring about a life shared, develop the resources of this planet, but take care of it. This is yours. It's this really bold move that we see in the story of creation right here in Genesis chapter 1 that God takes this wonderful, beautiful, good thing that he made and he gives it to humanity. He trusts humanity to rule over it and subdue it to bring out the best. It's why we see that even the ground is cursed when Adam and Eve sin. It's because we have responsibility for this. We pollute the earth. We pollute the rivers. We pollute the woods. We have failed to, to take care of this planet because there is a pollutedness in our hearts and in our minds. And there are lies that have told us that, that this is not our responsibility. And so we kick it down the road and we fail to take care of the air and the water and the earth. The very thing that God trusted to us. In fact, we as human beings are the most dangerous animals on the planet. We have more ability to care and develop and bring out the best in creation or to destroy it, to bring out the worst. God trusted us with creation, and we're blowing it. We're blowing it. Generation after generation, we are failing to take care of what He's been given to us because within us there is this brokenness. This thing that, 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 this turmoil, this sin, this ugliness, this pollution that keeps spilling out. Because whatever is in us, whatever is in us will come out. It'll come out in our relationships, it'll come out in our actions, it'll come out in our work. We see this. We see this as we continue to read in this very story. In Genesis chapter 3, we find God looking for Adam and Eve. You see, he'd given them this garden and their their responsibility was to take care of it. And they had one thing that they weren't supposed to do. But they, they listened to the serpent and they ate of the fruit and of the one tree that they weren't supposed to. And they realized in that moment that they were naked and afraid and ashamed and embarrassed. And that's when God shows up to have a conversation. God shows up at the worst time before they're ready. And he says, where are you? God has a tendency to do that. He wants to have a talk with me before I'm ready. When I am just right there in my shame moment, right there in my fear, right there in the midst of my mistake. He's there. He shows up ready to talk. I'm like, not yet not yet and that's what he does to adam and eve He says where are you what's going on and they say back hey we're hiding we were afraid because of our nakedness and our shame and he said who told you that you were naked what did you do now when he heard god's voice adam should have stepped up he should have taken responsibility he should have said listen this is my fault I ate the fruit, Eve, get behind me. This is not her thing. I did this. I walked us right there to it. I said, wow, look how great it looks. I ate of it. It's on me. I take responsibility, God. But he, he didn't do that. If we look there in, in Genesis chapter 3, in fact, he kind of just throws everybody else under the bus. He does the same thing a lot of us do when we fail. He looked for somebody else to blame. First, he blames the woman, says, listen, she she gave me that fruit. She shoved it in my mouth. I didn't have any choice. I couldn't get away from it. She just it, it, it's her fault. And really, God, if we think about it, it's kind of your fault too, because you gave me the woman. It's your fault. And there he kind of says there's three players in this scenario, God. There is you and the woman and me. And if anybody deserves to be blamed right here. It's the woman and in, in you. I'm, I'm innocent. It was, it was just given to me. It's not my fault. The truth is men have been doing this ever since. In our families, we don't take responsibility. We blame someone else. We blame someone else for our problems, our, our failures at work, our struggles to step up, and we're, we're always looking for someone else to blame. And what should have happened next is that the woman stepped up and said, Adam didn't take responsibility, but but I am. Yes, I took the fruit. Yes, I ate it. Yes, I gave it to him. This is my fault. I messed up. I take responsibility. But that's not what she does either. In fact, she kind of looks at. Imagine her looking at Adam and just kind of like, "Man, I can't. I can't blame him. He just blamed me. So what do I do?" I know the serpent. I will I'll blame the the serpent. I'll blame that, that snake who lied to me. I mean, it is a snake after all. I wonder what else it would have told you. But he he she just blames. And that's what a lot of us do. We're blaming all of the problems in our lives on someone else. We have this pattern of blaming others for our lives. We blame our parents who failed us. We blame a person who who said they would love us forever and then didn't. We blame our boss. We blame someone else for hurting us. And we, we allow that as a pattern that defines our life. In fact, there are people who don't believe in God who blame God for their lives. Just like Adam, like, right. Like, so they, they'll say, listen, I can't believe in God because of all the things that have happened to me. So who do you blame for all those things? If you don't believe in God, then it's not God's responsibility, right? That makes sense. Well, if it's not God's responsibility, isn't it possible there's a God? No, no, no. We blame God. We don't even believe in him. There there are all kinds of ways that we're looking to blame other people. Now, the hard part of this is that for some of us, it's real. There are people who have hurt us, betrayed us, let us down, done unspeakable things to us, and we blame them. And we have enough evidence to keep the blaming going. But can I... Can I speak a blunt and direct truth to you? Can I speak a truth that can change your life forever? Even if it's not your fault, you have responsibility. Even if it's not your fault, you have responsibility. You have the ability to respond, you have the ability to choose what you are going to do with what happened to you and how you are going to live the life you've been given from that moment forward. Not that it doesn't ever affect you, not that it denies the hurt or the wound, but that you have the ability to respond. And your life is not made up of the things that have happened to you. It is made up of the choices and responses that you make in response to what happened to you. It's why forgiveness is so powerful. We can hold on to anger and bitterness toward those who hurt us, But really what we're doing is we are chaining ourselves to that moment and that person for the rest of our lives. We are allowing what they did at that moment, at that time to affect us forever. We carry it with us in our thoughts, in our actions every day. But if we can come to that moment where we begin to sever that chain to break that chain and to be able to recognize that we don't need anything else from that person, but that we can continue to respond in love and forgiveness and grace and move forward with our lives disconnected from them. This is new hope, new beginning. Unforgiveness chains us to the past and gives even more power to the person who hurt you. Instead, we have to take responsibility for our lives. Take responsibility for our choices. Take responsibility for our opportunities and move forward. Move forward. Accepting responsibility for your life It gives you the power to change your life. It's what it means to be created in the image of God. You have the power within you to respond. Whatever happens, whatever happened, whatever's going on in your life, there is within you the power to create a different life, to rethink, to reimagine to dream again and to act on those dreams and imaginations and new thinkings that you don't remain trapped by what happened to you. You have the choice, the power within you to take responsibility. To step up and battle against the lies, to battle against the wounds, to battle against those things that have robbed you of your peace, that have robbed you of your hope, that have robbed you of your confidence, that have robbed you of your ability, that have robbed you of your joy. You see, the warrior owns defeat so that defeat doesn't own the warrior. The warrior owns defeat so that defeat doesn't own the warrior. You see, if you don't feel failure, if you don't fear failure, you'll work, you'll risk, you'll take an opportunity. The, The strange thing is that the person who doesn't believe they can fail is the person who never takes a chance, who never takes a risk, who never steps into a situation in which they might fail. And so they never discover all that they were created to be. All that is possible, but for those who are able to own defeat, who are able to own a moment of failure, who are able to take responsibility and continue to move forward are those who are able to risk and to become and to develop. So we either own the defeat or the defeats own us. You have been created by God with power, with strengths, with gifts to fight, to fight for peace within, to fight for becoming all that you were created to be, for living into the opportunities that you've been given, for doing the good works that were created before time for you to do. But we have to own our failures too. Otherwise they own us. When we begin to own our failures, God can be to work in us. He can transform us. He can create something new in us. First John chapter 1, verse 9 says that He is faithful and just. If we confess our sins, that He forgives us, that He is able to transform us and begin to make us new. When we own our reality, when we own our truth, when we own our failures, when we own our defeat, when we own our sin, we're able to, to move forward. We're able to move forward. It's what God is describing, describing to Cain in Genesis chapter 4. Cain and Abel, maybe you've heard of them, the first, the first one to take human life in history. Cain and Abel are given instructions for worship and, and, and Abel brings a sacrifice that is pleasing to God, and Cain doesn't, and and Cain gets angry, and he hurts his brother. Before it happens, God kind of sees what's happening in Cain, and he says to him in Genesis chapter 4, in Genesis chapter 4, verse 6, we read these words, Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you. It desires to have you, to consume you, to own you. But you must rule over it. Not I'll rule over it for you. You must rule over it. We must take mastery over our lives. We must begin to, to take charge of our lives. Take responsibility for our lives. Take responsibility for our choices. For the things that we say and the things that we do. So that we can begin to allow God to forgive and transform us. The good news is that we don't fight this battle alone. Really, we can't fight this battle alone. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 22, the apostle Paul writes these words to the church. He says, "Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us. He set his seal of ownership on us and he put his spirit in our hearts." as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. He puts his spirit in us when we trust him, when we submit to him, when we come to God. He puts his spirit within us, giving us the strength to battle and take rule over the sin that would desire to consume us, that would desire to destroy us. But we don't, we don't really want that. We don't really want to go all in with God like that. We don't want to really trust Him with our lives and and His way and His truth. Instead, we just want His blessings. And we we talk about it all the time. We quote scriptures about God being with us and God taking care of us and, and God's got this kind of stuff. All the while, we're ignoring His purpose. All the while, we're ignoring his principles. All the while, we're ignoring his will, his truth, his word. We're doing the exact opposite of what he asks and teaches us to do, and then we ask uh, him to bless it. We ask him to bless that relationship that we never should have been in. We ask him to bless that job where we know we're not being truthful and honest and operating with integrity. We ask him to, to bless all kinds of moments in our lives even though we ignore him. And then we get mad at God, just like Cain. And we lash out at other people, just like Cain. Instead, instead it's time, time to fight. It's time to fight for peace within, truth within, a way and life within, time to fight for peace. It's time that as warriors, we take responsibility, that we we own our defeat so that they don't own us. As long as we're hiding, as long as we're pretending, as long as they're in secret, they own us. And so we bring them out to God, and we take responsibility, and we turn to Him, and we ask for His forgiveness. We ask for His grace, and we ask for His Spirit to fill us and give us the strength to fight this battle. And when we discover life as the gift that it really is, the warrior owns defeat by taking responsibility, by turning to God and finding life. Let's pray. Father, there is a battle raging within us and around us that seems overwhelming at times. But today I ask that you would be with each one watching this, each one who is hearing that we would submit to you, that we would take responsibility for our lives and realize that you have put within us the ability to respond to everything that has happened to us, the ability to respond to every struggle, every difficulty, every wound, every opportunity. And so we take responsibility for the life that we are creating. And we ask that you would fill us with your spirit in a fresh way that we are able to be all that you created us to be. Forgive us for the ways that we have failed, for the sin within us, and set us free to live the life you made us to live. God, today and tomorrow and each day, we take responsibility and we choose you. In Jesus' name, amen.